federal officials are demanding that the city of Chicago change its zoning and planning practices or face losing hundreds of millions of dollars in funding. This comes after a two-year investigation by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD. The federal agency found the city violated its residents' civil rights by moving big polluting businesses from white communities to predominantly black and brown neighborhoods, places that already bear the brunt of environmental issues in the city. Joining us now is Olga Batista, the executive director of Southeast Environmental Task Force. It's one of the groups that filed a complaint that sparked the investigation. Hey, Olga. Hi, thank you for having me. Also with us is Brett Chase, environmental reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, who's following the story. Welcome back, Brett. Thank you. Good to be back. Olga, why did the Southeast Environmental Task Force file this complaint in the first place? Give us the backstory. Well, I mean, General Iron was not the first company that has been relocated from an industrial corridor in a community that's mostly white to a community that's black and brown. It's actually the third company. So when you know we've realized that there's a pattern of the city engaging in these practices, we thought we had to act. Yeah. The um, the HUD investigation, it cites the events that surround that relocation of General Iron, though. I do re- recall that your group led the hunger strike to stop the relocation. Can you just remind those who aren't familiar what happened there? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, we were just one of many groups that are rooted on the southeast side of Chicago that um, were advocating and showing up and organizing for public coming periods, you know, doing letter writings, phone calls to the alderwoman and uh, alderwoman Susan Garza and to the mayor. And after um, seeing how little impact our voice was having in these bureaucratic processes, we really felt like we had no other choice. Remember, this was happening during a global pandemic where, mm-hmm. like, the usual kind of, like, grassroots organizing tactics um, were not, you know, like, it was not possible for us to employ that. And also um, the the racial uprisings that were happening. So yeah. these things that you would think would, like, you know, just completely shatter a movement actually brought these, group, these groups together. And so groups like the Southeast Youth Alliance, Bridges Splintus, Alliance for the Southeast, Clarion Associates, um, and a slew of others that had, um, you know, just were, did not know what else to do. So then mm-hmm. I remember it was right before the Christmas when um, the decision was made, we actually reached out to Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, who gave us a lot of um, information about how to run um, a hunger strike, like what to do. So we had plenty of doctors and nurses who were checking in on the hunger strikers. And essentially it was only three um, hunger strikers that started uh, initially and then other people joined and they were like solidarity hunger strikes that were happening across the city, the state, the country, and even internationally to draw attention to this matter. Powerful. Brett, let's bring you in here. The uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development sent a detailed letter to the city on its findings. What specific law did the agency say the city was in violation of? It's um, the, the Fair Housing Act and the um, it's Title VI, the Fair Housing Act. It's a civil rights complaint. Um, this is alleging that, you know, you, you can't, you know, just have discriminatory policies, especially if you're, you know, 
taking money from HUD, which, you know, every city does. Have you seen the concentration of polluting businesses affect your community, Olga? I mean, I think it's clear with the general iron situation for one, but talk more about the health issues that you've seen uh, among your friends and family. Yeah, um, I mean, I myself have developed asthma as an adult. Um, my sister-in-law, um, her son, is my nephew, misses about 50 to 60 days of school every year because of his severe asthma. We had all this anecdotal information about how people are suffering, like the asthma vans that go to different parts of the city to um, help um, families, like, they, they do, like, interventions, like, how to keep, like, uh, so many hospital visits, uh, you know, how to treat asthma at home. And even their data shows that all the interventions that they've made across the city has improved, except has improved the number of hospital visits, except for the southeast side because of the toxic air that we breathe every single day. Uh, so there's those stories, but then we also have hard facts, you know, like all, many of the groups that I mentioned earlier were also part of the Kelly McConnect partnership, which mm-hmm. really dug in with um, with partners in planning and other researchers, UIC, Center for Neighborhood Technology, uh, Metropolitan Planning Council, and other groups um, to try to really see, like, look at the industrial corridor with, like, a, a public health lens. And what we discovered was that there's actually higher instances of COPD in this industrial corridor compared to other industrial corridors in the city as a whole, also heart disease, and we're Uh a community that's medically underserved. So that's a recipe for disaster. Brett, what discriminatory planning practices did HUD outline in the letter? Well, you know, the the triggering event was this, this, you know, relocation of General Iron and, um, you know, this dates back to the Emanuel administration because, you know, the the, uh, the city really wanted General Iron out of that area for this multi-billion dollar real estate development. Um, in, in, in even though it's uh, focused on General Iron, it's, it's ta- you know, it, it goes into detail about this as a, a pattern, you know, and also there's, I think, uh, Olga um, referenced that there were others, you know, like the, the city's, um, you know, fleet, uh, um, operation was like moved out of the same area down to the south side. Uh, Finkel Steel was was moved uh, down before that, and um, you know it's it's just more than coincidence that these you know these these things are moving out of white uh, neighborhoods in, into you know black and brown communities, and that was mm-hmm. um, you know that was detailed throughout the uh, the letter. Well, you know, Olga, here you have the federal housing department essentially agreeing with what your organization's been saying for years. How does that feel? Feels good. I mean, this is also the second time that D.C. feds have gotten involved. Also, Michael Reagan, you know, he recommended to the city of Chicago that um, something more be done um, before the the issue of permit to make a decision to issue the permit. You know, so the, the health impact study was came out of that recommendation. And, you know, I, I just think it feels uh, very validating, you know, for us to say, like, I mean, we see it every day, right? Like, we've got, we've been fighting these, You're like, living it. Pet yeah. calls and manganese contamination, 
the shroud site, you know, where like illegal dumping that happened. And, like we did have to contend with all those, but to to make it, um, you know, widely known and to have this letter, this HUD letter, is so critical because now um, everybody can see and can point to it. You know, this is, makes it very official. All the things that we have known, but that we, you know, it's, it's you know well known in these neighborhoods, but now it's going to be widely known. And we've actually already gotten calls from. Um, a lawyer, a lawyer from Florida, um, who is experienced similar situations, wants to talk to us about how we did what we did. Um, wow. So we feel that this is actually going to like be really, uh, it's really foundational. It's going to be yeah. important for other EJ communities, not just in Illinois but across the country. Look at that impact. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Our guests are Olga Batiska, who's the executive director of Southeast Environmental Task Force. And Brett Chase, environmental reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. We're talking about the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development investigation into civil rights violations by the city due to discriminatory planning practices. Now, Mayor Lightfoot responded to the HUD findings in a presser yesterday. I want to play a little bit of what she had to say. Well, recall that the Department of Public Health denied the permit. So... Anything that doesn't acknowledge the fact that the city denied the permit and didn't allow uh, that um, uh, requested use um, is completely wrong. It is preposterous to suggest that even the consideration of the permit application, which we must do as of, as of right, somehow was a dis- housing discrimination. Olga, what do you think about that? Um, well, I mean, she's wrong because they do mention that in the letter, and they also um, mentioned that the city was giving them a very hard time. And it's also mentioned in the letter that they were not cooperating. So, um, you know, they they would not produce the requested information, and it was to the city's detriment. Brett, uh, federal officials... They've made a pretty serious threat to um, withhold federal funding if the city doesn't fix this, you know, alleged discriminatory practice. First of all, how much money does the city receive from HUD? You know, it's it's fluid, but I mean, it could be tens of millions, hundreds of millions. I mean, there's, there's, okay. there's a patient of like, you know, more than 300 million going to different programs. Now, some, sometimes it's like, not, not to get really complicated, but I mean, sometimes there's money left over from the previous year, but you know, they cited, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in one, you know, one year that went to many different departments. And um, this is, you know, this, these are programs. First of all, this isn't, you know, the Chicago Housing Authority is, is separate from this. So these are like all sorts of community development block grants. There's there's um, uh, money for, you know, to address homelessness. There's even money for like economic development. I mean, this is not something the city wants to lose. I, I you know, I, I can't imagine that you know you would you would fight this and risk uh, you know losing all this important money that would actually you know hurt a lot of vulnerable people. Yeah, withholding that money stands to hurt Black and Brown communities more, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's their leverage. I mean that's what they're they're using to get the city to to comply, and they and they've done this elsewhere. I mean there was a big um, settlement with Los Angeles a few years back, and that had to do with um, housing, um, like low-income housing just not being accessible to disabled people. But, you know, they, the city, I, I don't know the whole history there if the city initially, um, 
you know, fought HUD and then came to the table. But, you know, what they're looking for is, you know, a voluntary agreement, like a voluntary compliance agreement in that, you know, basically the city says we're going to, we're going to change our practices. And, and, and honestly, I mean, I've, you know, and Olga can back me up. I mean, I've heard this mayor talk about the historic, you know, environmental racism in the city and that she's, you know, promised to do something about that. Mm. Way in here, Olga. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of money. I, I saw, I'm just looking at the letter right now in 2021, it was $375 million, um, that was going to 13 state departments. Um, I mean, city departments. So, yeah, it, it is um, an issue like the mayor has recognized. Um, you know, we are part of the Environmental Equity Working Group. We want to be able to be um, continue to be at the table to mm-hmm. figure out solutions to this. Um, this is not an isolated, you know, issue here in general. It was General Iron. We also had the botch in, uh, implosion of the Hilco um Stacks at um, in Little Village. We're still waiting for the IG report to be released to us and the the findings. The not the IG report, but like all of the um, reports that the city has that they refuse to give. Mm-hmm. Um, it's extremely important for us to see what what's in those reports. And then also Mad Asphalt. You know the fact that uh, McKinley Park has to contend with this not you know these not just odors and the pollution right across the street from their like beloved park, which is a beautiful park if you've ever been there. Uh, it is um, something that is like kind of part of Chicago's you know history of environmental racism. Um, that there has to be this is a, the beginning of like a reckoning. You know, like we have to do better, mm-hmm. and the people who have been most impacted are ready to work with the city to make sure that um, that you know the new rules and the plans for the future are actually going to be helpful to us. Yeah, and leave us with this, Brett, so we're clear. What exactly are the steps that HUD outlined for the city to follow just to, to prove officials are actually working to fix this problem? Well, they, they haven't um, they haven't laid out a plan. That's the, that's This is the first step. But what they like is the city to come to them and then they work out, you know, like a, you know, this is what we're going to do going forward. We're going to make our, you know, our zoning, our planning, our zoning or land use um, policies more, you know, inclusive and, and, and make sure that we're not um, just adding to the, the already burdened uh, communities like the Southeast yeah. side. So it's a, it's a, it's a step one, you know, come to the table. Um, and, you know, like I said, you know, they've got this hammer of hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, flow into the city. Mm-hmm. We'll have to leave it there. That's Brett Chase, environmental reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times and Olga Batista. Executive Director of Southeast Environmental Task Force. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.